Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Becky Tibbetts, and we're going to talk about leadership. We are in a world where everything is shifting, um, including leadership, and there are certain things that are wonderful about that. And then it's also a tricky time, right? It's kind of like the sand is shifting underneath us. And it's like, oh, what are the rules now? Um, And Becky is here to teach us and help us understand the new rules of leadership. How are you, Becky? I'm great. (laughs) No pressure there. The new rules. No pressure. I'm just going to highlight to you some transitions that we've seen coming. Um, And really just, you know, we've got the Brene Browns, the Simon Sinek's of the world that are kind of cultivating this new way of of leadership and interacting as leadership. And so um, I have a background in human resource management. And so um, during my time in that, probably around 2017, we started seeing this shift as as the millennials kind of really um, came into the workforce and, and really kind of this shift from a top-down leadership style where like if we're at the top, we have the title and then we just tell you what to do and you go do it. And now we have more of this collaborative uh, leadership that is really starting to invest in people. Um, I love Gary Vee's idea of that and and Claude Silver, um, I mean, she's the chief heart officer instead of HR manager, right? Just this really compassionate and empathetic leadership that really invests in their people because they know that when they're doing well, that they will show up and do even better at work. And so this holistic approach to leadership development and really um, changing the way that we look at leadership and what we receive and what we expect from them. Like, the expectations have been upped. It's just like, um, just because you have a title does not mean <laughs> that you know everything and that you are a great leader. That no longer equates to great leadership. Well, and it's interesting too, because as we talk about leadership and it's always kind of, it's easy to go, hey, my boss should be doing this differently. And then we forget that we're someone's boss. Mm-hmm. Right. And in as I'm hearing you speak, uh, and I, I said that one time on a, a female podcast, and they were like, oh, she said it, not me, you know, but that's that's an important piece in, in my book in changing my, my next book about changing toxic work environments, because it's like, OK, we can be the goldfish swimming in our own water. And with our team and with our, you know, having that empathetic leadership, having that um, kindness and that team centeredness, even if parts of the company, like a goldfish, it doesn't matter if the house is dirty or the floor needs vacuuming or there's dishes in the sink. The goldfish cares that their water is clean. Yes. Right. And in a world where there are so many things out of our control, obviously it is best if the CEO and all these people are participating in this servant leadership, but as far as things we can control, we can kind of keep our own water clean. Yeah. 
And it comes back to that personal responsibility for each of us to lean in. So um, a lot of times I practice this concept when we're we're having tough conversations. Um, I go back to um, the idea that Brene uses in her book, Dare to Lead. And she talks about painting done, which is really just clarifying those expectations of what you need and when you need it and, and really what are you looking at. Um, what what results are you really wanting to get from this? But that takes every person on the team to really embrace that courage to lean in because it can be scary because there's pride and there's other things that get in our way or ego that say you should know what you need to do. Like, you know what I mean? Or there, Or maybe we've encountered some of those toxic leaders that were kind of like that. Like you went and asked a question just to clarify. And that was the response to you was like, seriously, I have to paint this for you. And I was like, I want to, I can do a lot of things and I want to do my best work for you. And so that means me really being able to tell you, Hey, I actually can't do what you're asking me to do. And that might be better fit for Sally or Susie on the team to be able to complete that because they're better at it. And one of those ways that I kind of encountered that in my own uh, professional development was just like, I am, I like creating things. I like ideas and concepts, but creating graphics and doing all of that stuff. I'm like, no, you give that to your graphic person. I mean, I could spend days on it, but that's not, that's not really empowering me and using and utilizing my giftings to the best of the company and for the leadership team. And so we willing to say, Hey, that's really, that, that's not something that I can really do for you because that's outside of what I'm my, my gifts and my talents to be able to do that or my professional development. Mm-hmm. And it does take a lot of self-awareness. Um, I talk about, is this my problem to solve or someone else's problem to solve? And in your, in your arena, it's like, maybe the boss says, no, this is your problem to solve. And you're like, Oh, but Sally's so good at this problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And and using, I, I like you use strength-based language, right? It's like, oh man, this is just my wheelhouse. I feel so good about this piece. Um, and then Sally, I, I happen to know Sally, it feels like this piece is in her wheelhouse. Would you be comfortable with us both working in the areas that we feel the most strength in? That's really hard to turn down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's using that strength-based language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it makes a lot of sense. I think some other areas that really um, like help in this also is just having, like you said, more personal awareness, like what's going on for me. I love the question of like, is this my responsibility to solve or is it somebody else's? And so that's how it was in HR. It was like, people would come to me and I was like, okay, I I hear what you're saying. And um, I can hear the frustration that you're having, but the conversation that you need to be having is not with me. You need to go back to your manager. And a lot of times my experience was, is that they would never have those conversations. Those could have been transformative, really, um, uh, relationship deepening conversations because they were just being outright honest about where they were um, in the work and how they were feeling about it. But a lot of times, like we want to do work without any feeling and we want to just kind of minimize that and just let's just be about the task. And that's um, just not the leadership roles that we have these days. 
We have to be willing to embrace the whole basket of the whole person and really engage and hold space for that person to really express like, well, this really makes me feel devalued and like lean in to really understand what are they saying? Why do they feel devalued? What would make them feel valued? And then make those transitions and those changes accordingly. Mm-hmm. And and you did use the word self-responsibility because I, I, as a leader, I can hear like that conversation sounding very scary because it's like, you don't understand. Sally, we'll go back to Sally. Mm-hmm. This is like her fifth family emergency this month. Like she's really like, working the system here, you know, in this, and I saw something, it's going to be this balance, right? And just having the hard conversation about balance, because I, I saw something about baby boomers, and it was like a reel, and a baby boomer was like, looked terrible, and they were doing like a, at a podium, and they were like, no, it's fine, (laughs) I can work today, but I feel fine, you know, and then um, the millennial or iGen, but somewhat about my age, they, they said like, no, I don't feel that well, but I'm working from home. So it's no problem. I can, you know, power through. And then I had the iGen and it said, um, sorry, you know, I've, I've got a tickle in my throat. I need to take off today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think that is what is so scary is that piece of the conversation, because there are people who are out of balance. Some people are out of balance and working themselves to the death and they're you're pulling them off on a gurney and a heart attack. And there are some people who are like, this is wonderful. I can collect, I had a, in the COVID thing, I had a friend and um, she worked for a government agency and these people kept calling in and saying they had COVID exposures, but they kept like, they were all for like a year, mm-hmm. you know? And she was so frustrated that they were working the system in that way. And I think that is what is so scary in this leadership is we've swung from here and now we're swinging to here. We're swinging back and swinging. Is that kind of what you've seen, Becky? Yeah, there, there's definitely always going to be the people that take advantage of the system, right? Um, but really bringing it back to company culture and fit, like if your culture really has a strong purpose for people to want to show up for, right? And so um, regardless of how bad I'm feeling, if it's something I'm really passionate about, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make myself like do those things. And um kind of balancing that with really finding out a little bit more um, behind that. But like you said, if that is definitely the scenario, you know, having that conversation with them of like, okay, (laughs) so you've been calling in, you can work from home and having those tough conversations. And then of course I'm an HR background. I'm saying, where's your policy? Like as soon as everybody went to home, working from home, there should have been a policy in place that says these are the expectations and these are what you're working and so on. And if you could work from home, then there isn't that free ride for the, um, you know, for the free time off, so to speak. And so great policies keep us within the bounds of our culture and everybody moving forward and engaged versus disconnecting and just kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what other changes do you see in uh, leadership of today? I think we've highlighted a lot of um, them. I say, I think that there is definitely that shift from work-life balance to life-work balance. People are having that aha of like, um, 
you know, I only get one life. I can always work, right? Or in that season when you have children and you're raising children, it's a short season. <laughs> As I'm getting ready to send off my second son, I know how short it is and how intentional you need to be. 18 years goes like that. And, you know, when they're young, it's hard to see that. And so as they start developing and really creating and people start thinking about, well, what kind of life and what kind of investment and what time type of memories do I want to make with my children? That becomes an important factor when they're talking about, okay, what does work-life balance look like for me or life-work balance as I've reframed it? Um, And more people are like, okay, well, I want the flexibility. And so now we're seeing the great resignation and everybody's like, you know what, this is not working for me. And a lot of companies are suffering that are just going, nope, you will be back in the office eight to five, nine to five, whatever their schedule is. That's not working for people. That that so understanding where your people are coming from and the reason why I love working from home. Now there's some jobs that you can't because you have to collaborate so much and that there's only so much you can do via video and all of that and video fatigue is a thing. So understanding all of that and then really kind of giving where we're seeing a lot more of the flexibility of schedules. Okay, you come into the office a couple of days a week and a couple of days a week you can work from home because then on your break, you have that sense of more freedom, right? You're already at home. You can change the laundry. You can take out the dinner, dinner. you can prep for the dinner, whatever on your breaks. So it feels more work-life balanced and more manageable. But I think that they need to take it as a, as an overall culture, what do you need to be able to get the job done? I just saw a, um, uh, article that says that, um, uh, that their, uh, remote work has zero negative impact on your productivity. And so embrace work remote because that's the new post COVID reality for a lot of companies. Um, and so embracing that and really navigating that well, good policies, uh, great, excellent communication, and then making sure that your people are right fit. Some people have left because they just weren't a right fit like this. We have to understand that we've hired some people and then they turned out to be a wrong fit. And that's okay. We just adjust in any type of business environment. And we say, okay, what do we need for this position to really thrive? And really looking for that um, that alignment uh, between the company culture and their, um, their individual strengths. Yeah. And within the great resignation, I mean, we can really look at, it's a chance to get people who are a better fit. Right. If, you know, uh, within that policy, but Becky, where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can find out more about me at inspiredevelopmentcoaching.com. And then you can also follow me on Instagram. It's Becky.Tibbets. Um, and I offer a free leadership strategy session to just get really clear about where you want to go um, the rest of 2022. Awesome, Becky. Thank you so much for helping us learn to become a little more toxic person proof. Thank you. Have you ever heard anything on the Toxic Person Proof podcast or read anything in my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, and thought, oh my gosh, I just wish I had known this 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or I wish my daughter knew this. 
Well, if so, a way that you can help other women and other people on their journey to becoming toxic person proof and save them from the pain that you endured, the confusion you endured, is leaving a review. You don't have to use your real name. You can just go to reviews, hit those stars, hit a message, uh, go to Amazon, write, or go to Goodreads, write a review about toxic person proof, wherever you find yourself in the world and it is so helpful to other women to know this is information they can trust not just more information about narcissism but but tips tricks tools to help them move forward to build an amazing life after a toxic relationship thank you so much for those of you who've already written a review it's paying it forward helping the next woman uh, as she sorts through information like okay this is what I need this is what I need so thank you so much for those of you who have left a review and if you haven't this is your chance so give me some stars and help other women on their journey to becoming toxic person proof Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.